Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 708. I am in uh, Montreal right now for the Just for Laughs Festival. Um, it's uh, it's lovely here. So if you're around, I'm performing at the Olympia Theater on Saturday, July 25th at 8 p.m. Uh, tickets are at funcomfortabletour.com or you can go to JFL's website, hahaha.com. And uh, come on, come on, see a show, or I'll just see you wandering around the streets of Montreal as I get poutine from somewhere, and then you as a local tell me that I've gone to the wrong place uh, because I'm a tourist. Um, uh, Désolé, je suis un touriste. I don't know what to say. I'd also like to plug competitive erotic fan fiction, uh, which has been extra hilarious lately with guests like Baron Vaughn, Johnny Pemberton, Guy Branham, Kyle Kinane, and more. Check it out on iTunes and at Nerdist.com, competitive erotic fan fiction. This episode is Leah Thompson, who was so awesome. Oh my god. She's, I mean, you know, if you've been in love with her your entire life, which most of us have, uh... Just the way that she is as a person will elevate that several levels. She's promoting the 30th anniversary of Back to the Future and her TV show Switched at Birth, which is on ABC Family. The new season begins August 24th at 8 p.m. But uh, so great. We had so much fun. She's just a fun... I'm going to shut up and just let you hear it because I'm gushing. Uh, I was I was nervous to meet her. I was nervous and she could not have been more warm and friendly. So... It's, you know, when you when you meet someone who's been a piece of your life, I mean, she didn't know she was a piece of my life, but she's been a piece of so many of our lives in so many different films and played so many great characters and, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's the part of the job that makes me happy, finding out that people are A-OK. So, um, this is Leah Thompson. Here's Nervous Podcast number 708 with Leah Thompson. Now entering Nerdist.com. The dog will not move the entire time. Maybe she'll go from there to there. That's about it. Not like my dogs. Is your dog spazzy? I have so many dogs. How many dogs do you have? Six, seven, I'm not sure. (laughs) But there's a lot of people that stay at my house or come to my house and have other dogs. So there's usually some other dogs. So it's sort of a dog hostel. It's, yeah. Or... Not hostile. It's, it's a dog-friendly. <laughs> a dog-friendly house. So people... So so basically what you're saying is anyone listening could just bring all their dogs over to your house? Mm, maybe not. Okay, all not right. Not so okay. much. All right, that, so we got some clarity on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so not every dog can not, come to your house. No, not every dog. Is, they, is Matt coming in? I don't know. I just texted him. All right, he was here a second ago. Um, all right. Our other person who's on the show, Matt, maybe in the bathroom. We're not 100% sure. This wait. is... No... Right. This is just this is why I really wanted a tagging system where we just a slight tranquilizer. We just right. put a tag just in his neck so he's you know he's fine. No why don't we just take our mics and go permanent- in the bathroom and see, if <laughs> see how things are coming out? Matt, I brought someone in to say hi to you. Hey, I'm Mia Thompson from Back to the Future. 
I would love to bathroom prank people with you. If we could just go, Matt, have you met Leah Thompson? Uh, you know what? People aren't beyond that. Like, I people slip toilet paper <laughs> underneath the stall and ask me to sign it. God, what do you say? Uh, that's classy. <laughs> do you sign it? Um, Probably just because I'm just like wow, those are that's some cojones for that's sure. Dedication. Mm-hmm. That's dedication. That's dedication. Well, I'll tell you, it is the one you know, what uh, the, the the one disadvantage that a men's room has is that right. you're. I get really mad if you if you have a place that doesn't even have the dividers. The right. stalls are all just lined up, and then you just right. kind of stand there. And then sometimes people will be like, "Hey, you're on the like, oh, not now, please." Yeah, it's a it's 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 a very inopportune time to have a conversation with someone. Yeah, I know. It's interesting that whole etiquette, like talking on the phone, like on your cell phone, like that's a weird thing when people are all sitting in the stalls talking on their cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow it just seems wrong. I don't it's know. It's a little too much. Yeah, there there are some things. Now listen, I, I think in a pre-social media internet era. Our family, like our parents' generation was very much like, don't talk about anything in in public. Right. Be very private. I still think there are elements of that we should hold on to a little bit. Yeah, just for dear life. Just like... This is Matt. Hello. Sorry I'm late. Were you in the bathroom? No, I was with the writers helping them with the Trump story. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) We were concocting this wonderful prank about how Leah and I were going to go into the bathroom and introduce you that way. Oh. We thought you were in the bathroom. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I don't know if you would have at the time. I think you would have been mildly horrified. We started out this interview a little dark. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't number two at work, guys. (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't have been that embarrassing. You shouldn't. (laughs) No. It's, It's a horrible thing to do to your coworkers. Workers. Yeah, also, like, you got a home bathroom that's nice and comfy. Use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, good. You should be able to know when that's happening. All right, good. You're I'm on so the radio. You guys know this about each other? Is this a, a whole Now new... we do. Oh, my God, I'm so happy to be here for this intimate moment. We're, we're breaking down all the all the personal barriers. <laughs> See, just a few minutes with me. Chris has a robot toilet. This is, a, I do up no on way. a robot toilet. Oh, me too. Yeah, you do. No. No, there's a, I wouldn't believe it. It's, it's like a Japanese no. robot toilet. It's got all these controls oh. on it. Wow. The seat heats up. It lights up when you walk up to it. And it Does opens. it cool? I suppose it wouldn't have to cool, right? No, it's amazing. Yeah. It's you the... feel like you have a friend. I... A special friend. <laughs> I have one. I have one. <laughs> I'm your friend. <laughs> and I do horrible things to it. Just like a real friend. <laughs> I'm a terrible friend. <laughs> at least you're consistent. I, at least I'm consistent. <laughs> you make us all watch your ass. This is how I feel like the robot apocalypse will start, is one of these robot toilets is going to be like, you are disrespecting me. And then Skynet. I saw Terminator last night. So. Oh, how was it? It's really fun. It's really fun. Really did they use old footage to make Schwarzenegger look young? They, or did you, they, they looked like did they, they used they... a combination of... of Digital. And... Of digitally... Yes, there was, there was old... It was definitely old. Because when you first see him, yeah. you're like, holy shit. You forget how different he looked yeah. in you know the early 80s. I saw a little clip of them fighting up at Griffith Park. And I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, 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 that. it's pretty rad. But yeah, if you're, a, if, you're a, if you're a fanboy, this is your year of movies. You get a Jurassic Park. You get a Terminator. You get an Avengers. And you get a Star Wars. I have a great Terminator story. What's your Terminator oh. story? Well, they were really interested in me for the first Terminator. For Sarah Connor? Yeah. <gasps> it was a re- and I was kind of like a movie star, although I didn't have a car. I had borrowed my boyfriend's cousin's pacer. <laughs> <laughs> 
And the, something was wrong with the um, transmission. So the fluid was leaking out of the, and you had to keep adding transmission fluid to this pacer. And <laughs> they were right. up, the audition was up on Mulholland and it was raining and their house was like down a hill. It was when they were still together. James Cameron. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Anyway. And uh, so I actually slid down their hill and took out two new trees and some lights <laughs> as I slid in. <laughs> But it wasn't really badass because I was in a pacer. Sure. So I didn't get the part. Oh. I was like, did you even audition for it? I did audition, but I was really upset about causing at least five thousand dollars worth of damage. Did you have to wow. cop to it? I did. I, t- I mean, like they saw it. The pacer was like, and then oh. I was like pouring transmission fluid. Where all that space camp money? I think that would have been pretty badass. I've got, I've got the hood up and the transmission fluid. Space camp was after Terminator. Right, I know, but By I'm assuming lot. they build her. A, yeah, yeah. Space, space, space camp was what, like '86? I'm not sure. It was right around the same it was time. Right I'm blacking out. Yeah, or, or the yeah. first Terminator was early '80s, maybe '80. Well, I was hot enough to get an audition for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Back to the Future was probably had been out. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I know. That's... My career would have been different if I went that one. Well, you, I mean, to be uh, Lorraine McFly and Sarah Connor at the same time. Yeah, and both time-related movies. Yeah. Yeah. So you were the, you were much. almost kind of the go-to for mega blockbuster time-themed films. Yeah, I could have been. Were know? they? Were they? Was the audition? Was it weird after you were like, "I'm sorry, yeah. all this happened." Um, anyway, don't yeah. kill me, Terminator. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was thrown. <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad. That would have been Galen Hurd, I, I yes. imagine. Yeah. 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 They had a house on Mulholland. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, but you know what? She's not in this movie, right? No. Yeah, no. They, uh, they recap Amelia Linda. Clark from yeah. Game like, of Thrones. Too old. <laughs> That's that would have happened to me. I'm glad that didn't happen to me. <laughs> well, kinda... She's also playing Sarah Connor from 1982, right? She's from, well, from the, Oh, so they can fix him looking old, but not her? They explain it with one line because, well, first of all, the guy who plays Kyle Reese, who was Michael Bean in the right. original movie, mm-hmm. because now, of course, movies are obsessed with like guys have to have ripped six packs. It's craziness. And they were not like that. And like, Michael Bean was just a regular looking dude, good shape, but just like not a fucking titan. Yeah. And um and so they ex- so they Arnold's Terminator character explains that um uh that the layer of Spoilers. tissue is living tissue and so that ages. So that's why his body looks older, but inside he's not he's not up. Oh, that always made sense to me. Yeah, yeah of that course. Was fine. Yeah, I was fine with that. I'm so interested in that. I mean, having been in this business for 33 years. 33 years. Um, I'm so interested that that like it's it kind of equal opportunity sexism now because all yeah. the guys like all, like you're saying all these guys are ripped and all, I'm I do a lot of girl TV, you know, <laughs> and uh, you know the guys every single guy that gets cast has to be awesome looking and the girls can be whatever <laughs> i mean it's, it's kind of awesome it, it's it's kind of i feel bad for guys though like how do you get that rip that's a lot of work well, i feel job. well you know i'll tell you what if you're like 16 years old it's easier because your metabolism is super high like you're still it still requires hours in the gym yeah of course and weird way shakes and I, stuff. Yeah, I, think in, way I think in general we probably set uh <laughs> What is normal looking people like beauty standards way too high? Like there are so many things I watch. I go, well, thank God everyone's attractive in that world because otherwise, how could I have enjoyed this story based on the writing and acting alone? <laughs> well, I still hilarious. enjoy House Hunters, and everybody's not a looker on that. <laughs> oh, that's. Yeah. Do, you, do you watch any of the? Uh, do you have any guilty pleasures? Is there any? Is there anything you? What do you? When you just sit, when you get home, 
and you've you've said hello to your dogs, which probably takes about forty five minutes because yeah. there's so many of them. When you plop down on the couch, what is your sort of passive watching? Do you t- are you a TV watcher at all? <sighs> Um, I don't feel like I don't have that kind of time. I don't know. I the only thing I always watch is Saturday Night Live. Okay. And my husband and I watch that. That's like the show that we. Did watch. you ever host Saturday Night Live? No, I never did. Isn't that weird? And I was on NBC for a long time. You really were for like five years, yeah, right? Yeah, Caroline City was like five years. I guess they didn't think I was funny. Motherfuckers, they're they're wrong. And I can do characters. Yes. I have lots of characters. Well, and they had voices. to get through all six of the Friends before they got. Yeah. There's that. There's that. I have a. I have an un unfair uh you know image of being completely white bread and that's odd because i made love to a duck and tried tried to have sex with my son (laughs) i just that's very edgy why do they think i'm so boring i know that's all very (laughs) i don't understand it it's like no matter what i do all right, I've been married for 26 years, so what? I think that's edgy. I mean, before that, yeah, some yeah. stuff happened. Before that? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm not so dumb and boring. But anyway, yeah, I think that, that that's why I didn't get to do Saturday Night Live. I mean, you, were, you really, um, uh, I, I'm pretty sure the first time I saw you was probably all the right moves, I'm guessing. That was probably the first time. Because I'm a, I was in the right age range to like I, I was in I was in the right age range to have been in the demographic for all of your movies mm. when you first when you first started out. What was the first thing you did? My first movie was Jaws 3D. Oh, Jaws 3D. People Fuck, Zero. Yeah. Yes. Which is essentially Jurassic World. <laughs> it is. People have said that. Yeah. It is essentially I've Jurassic had, World. I, the giant dinosaur is Jaws. Yeah, I've heard that. I've even seen pictures that compare the shots. Yeah. I'm like, really? <laughs> that movie is. <laughs> I remember seeing it in like in an, in Philadelphia with like this. Just everybody was trying to get out of the heat, yeah, you yeah. know. And it was playing with some other 3D movie. And the only thing that was scary was like a hypodermic and a frog jumping at you. <laughs> Otherwise, everyone was just like, yeah, but when that when the shark comes into the when you're in that aquarium tube. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you've even seen that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I saw I saw Jaws 3D too. It's great. They really, it's they the really be- tried to play. Doesn't say a ton, but it's the best of the Jaws sequels. I mean, <laughs> of the Jaws, <laughs> it's the best of the Jaws <laughs> sequels, <laughs> which isn't really saying much. But I did water ski on a three-tier pyramid of little girls. Did shoulders. you really? Yes, I did, and I really did it. Wow, I was really bad. So you do your own stunts. That's right. You ha- almost you had sex with a duck. That's I mean, this right. is ridiculous. I know. I've done so many cool things. Like I shot a bunch of Russians. And- <laughs> oh yeah, Red Dawn, the first PG-13 movie. Wolverine! Yes! The most violent movie of its time. Oh, again, more, I was pe- the More right... kills per square inch. I was the right age for that because what young high school student wouldn't want to be the leader of the resistance when the communists come in and try to take over our country? Take the Red Menace. But it you know great. what? There was a lot of crying. Patrick Swayze cried a lot. And if and there's a giant close-up of a big snot bubble coming out of his nose, <laughs> which pretty much is my favorite thing ever. That's, yeah. that's real. That was real. That was real. He improv that's not bubble. He did. He, you know what? It took a lot of takes. <laughs> it usually just broke, but this one went out and back in. I know I can do it this time. I was I doing know. it at home all morning. I swear to God, I can do this. Yeah. And so with um, with Back to the Future, was that did they just offer that to you, or did they? Was that was it a long process, or how did they how did they involve you? I had made this movie called The Wildlife. Cameron Crowe. Yes, wrote it. yes, yes. I know that movie. Uh, Chris Penn was in it, and Eric Stoltz was in it, and they were. It was at Universal, and it was really 
pretty lame. But they were looking at Eric Stoltz and they said, who's that girl? And then I got an audition and a couple auditions. And for some reason, it just really clicked with me. But um, I did have to do a screen test. And then I did. They negotiated with me for a long time. They tried to find someone cheaper. What? Uh-huh. Yeah, because they may not I, make their money back on this movie. I know. Movie. I mean, and it, I was, that was anyway. So and then at the same time, I was offered chorus line. To play the girl yeah. that couldn't sing. You know, really couldn't <laughs> sing when I couldn't do a sing. And I can sing. Anyway, cut to. <laughs> they, they, I was offered both the movies at the same time and I had to pick. Thank God I picked I think you one. made the right choice. Yes. It feels like, because Tom, let's see, actually, actually a lot of Back to the Future period. Tom Wilson's been on, Kristen uh-huh. Glover's been on, yeah. um, uh, Christopher Lloyd's been on. Yeah. Tom, Tom told this really insane story about when they recast Eric Stoltz and they like mm. brought him in. And it was this very ominous, like he was just alone in this big studio head office and they were like, so this is a thing that's happening. And they basically kind of just made him agree right there that he was okay with it. Like it was a really strange, he said it was because he thought he was being called in to get fired. Right. Did you get a big call in too? Well, no, mine was kind of bad because my boyfriend at the time, Dennis Quaid, was in making a movie called Enemy Mine. Which was an amazing movie. Yeah, which was, you know, like cast and redone and redirected. Anyway, he was in Germany. And so I wasn't supposed to leave. I had a week off. I wasn't supposed to leave. And I did. So I was in Germany. And back there, you know, back then you would call your phone machine. So I was like, (laughs) beep, uh, Steven Spielberg's office. (laughs) Please call back. Bob Zemeckis is on the line. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. They found out and they fired me. And then, you know, I found out what. Really luckily. Well, luckily. <laughs> I was, yeah. And luckily I wasn't in the immediate reshoots. But, yeah, that was bad. That was that was scary. Did you, were you were you friends? Because you because oh, by the way, Some Kind of Wonderful, I think, is one of the best movies of the 80s. Oh, thank I you. adore that movie so much. It's such thank a you. sweet, sincere, wonderful movie. And the la- like that the last scene when the punks break in. Oh, I fucking love that movie so much. Oh, did you? Was it? Did you? Do you like? Did you like making all those films at that time? Was it fun or did it feel like work or was it? Oh no no no. Well, because I really didn't. Co- I mean, I didn't come from that. I was a ballet dancer, and so it went really quickly. I I started acting and and kind of hit the jackpot really quickly. And so for me, I. I had lied and said I'd done all these movies and stuff. So I was just like swimming, uh, you know. No, oh, let's just check. I oh, it I, doesn't exist yet. Oh no, I made up movies that then were made later, and they were still in my resume. And they're like, "You're in Crossroads," and I go, "Yeah, they cut me out." <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, so I had made up all these movies, and um, so for me, it was just like catching up because I didn't. I came from Minnesota. I didn't have. I had one. I just didn't have any you know anybody to help me right. so i was like what do i do i always thought i'd make 75 dollars and a, a week and i just you know so for me i was just trying to catch up and i'm still that way i have to remember like oh wait i know more than almost anyone in, in this room <laughs> but in my mind i'm still like i don't know what's going on i don't know if that ever changes i know everyone should realize that everyone's scared yeah I don't, no one I, everyone thinks everybody else knows everything and they don't they don't nobody yeah. knows nothing and i don't think there's a point where all of a sudden you go well, uh, today's the day at 10 a.m. I figured it all out. Like, yeah, I don't think I there's know. ever any, I don't think there's ever any that moment. No. And I, but I just, uh, yeah, it was just like this um, uh, treadmill I got on and I did like movie after movie. When I did, um, I did Back to the Future, Howard the Duck, Space Camp. Uh, it was, uh, they were all six months. So I did that whole like oh, year wow. and a half with like a week off. Wow. So I was just like, trying to, 
get it all done. And did you feel the weight of everything you were doing? I mean, did you? I, you must have started to understand, like, oh, these are all in enormously the biggest movies of the time. And yeah, I didn't really have any perspective on that, but I did. I did. I did know that Back to the Future was a big deal, but did not think that you and I'd be sitting here talking about it. And you didn't years. foresee that. No, <laughs> I don't understand. We all are confused by it, honestly. <laughs> Except for it is a really great movie. It was really fun because I hadn't seen it since uh, for a long time, and we were at Wolf Trap, and we were watching it with the orchestra, the yeah. National Orchestra. I'm going Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah at, at, the at the Hollywood Bowl, and they're going to do it again. And there was so, it was so epic, and for some reason, I could see the movie in a whole different way that I had never seen it before. And it was it's just a really odd thing to create something that you know, epic. That's still yeah. appreciated. Not only just appreciated, but it, you know, cause a lot of times if you go back to watch some of your favorite movies when you were growing up, you're, usually you're like, I, I feel like this was better when I, you know, like yeah, a lot yeah. of them don't hold up. That movie yeah. completely holds up. Yeah. Top it, to bottom. It does. It really does. It's just incredibly constructed. And now as a director, I can really appreciate the, um, the shots. I mean, the shots are incredible. The, the way it's put together, the way each shot... I mean, that's what Zemeckis says that's awesome. Like, awesome. Each shot is there for a reason, and he trains the audience to be like, this isn't wasted. Yeah. It makes you... He trains you right away to watch and not... You know, so many movies, the stuff doesn't pay off, and you get like, whatever. But you always know that there's something to see in every shot that's important. And I love that about the way he directs. Yeah, and, and it's even kind of fun to start because now there's some Howard the Duck nods. Mm-hmm. Like in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there's a little <laughs> bit of Howard the Duck nod toward like, is that going to pay off in, in some way? Was that before, in a time before uh, CG effects? I mean, it was really just a practical, he was just a practical gag, yeah. basically. Yeah. <laughs> what was the shooting process like for Howard the Duck? So hard. <laughs> it was really hard. My name was Dawn because right. they would shoot my close up at Dawn and the ho- make sure the duck was done. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I had no idea why. Like, the, all the puppeteers had to be there, do my close up first. But um, it was really painful. It was really painful. I think we all knew. I mean, unfortunately, if you would have just waited five more years, I wouldn't have been in it, but it would have been a much better movie if it would have been done like. Um, Roger Rabbit was, I yeah. think, a hundred times better, because the comedy just sat there. Because you know what I mean, these puppeteers. Oh, gee, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, act, no matter what, they try to get rid of us actors, but actors add a lot, and and that's what they did in Roger Rabbit. They had the actors right there, even though it was animated. The actors would do the acting so that the pace, and, yeah. you know, the, you know, there was life right. to it, but the, it was very hard to keep the life on Howard the Duck in the comedy. And it was just a, it was a bizarre concept. I mean, it really, I mean, I think that's why people really appreciate it because it's so crazy. Yeah. You know, it's just such a crazy movie, the idea of this duck and his girlfriend and stuff, you know, but the puppet was kind of cute and that wasn't what the actual right, Howard right, the Duck right. was like, you know what I mean? Yeah. He moved differently. He was like, ah. and they couldn't make a, a little person in a very uncomfortable suit that, you know, 
work that yeah, way. Yeah. I don't know. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking with it. No, it's fine. That's a good opinion. But uh, but I am. I'm really. You know, people are always. Oh, ha, 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 you know, we don't want to bring up um, Howard the Duck, and I, there's so many cool fans that like it, and so I, I've always embraced it. Yeah. Who I, says that to you? Like, what a rude thing to say. People do it all the time. They, they do it all the time. Like, I'm supposed to be embarrassed about it. And that's not rule number one in my career. I'm like, I did it. I own it. You know? Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. I'm not going to be all sorry about it. I'm going to be like, I did it. I cashed the check. I, <laughs> I worked hard. I did my job. Well, the other thing, too, is that, there. you know, as a performer... You're such a small part of the whole process mm-hmm. that there's, you know, th- there's really not that much that anyone could be. I mean, I don't know. It's just has, like so many things have nothing to do with you. So people making comments about a movie, it's like, but you still did a great job in it. And you still had fun. Like, I don't I don't know. Yeah. I guess people just people just like to be controversial. Well, yeah, I mean, and it's it's fun to kind of hate on stuff. So, I mean, you know, that's all right. It's okay. But I, I just say that I really love my Howard the Duck fans. They're like my favorite fans ever. So I'm always very happy to meet them and grateful. And, you know, I always – I love Iconoclast. I consider my myself an Iconoclast and a, like a little weird nerdy girl. I no, mean, for sure. some people might think of me of another way. But in my heart, I've always been, uh, you know, trying to like – I always love the underdog. I always have tried to be a little bit different and not, you know, be myself, not try to fit in and whatever. I guess it doesn't look that way, but that's in my heart. And so that's why I love my Howard the Duck. Is that how you grew Did you grow up that way? Like sort of awkward and just trying to fit in or not figuring out your play? Like how, what was your childhood? Like? Um, no, but my, but my childhood was really one of like, I mean, I had this weird group of, of friends and junior high and we did all we did all these weird things like name trees and you know say we were never gonna get the blue eye disease and weren't gonna make up and we were like bare feet and we were just like I, I don't know i just like people that buck the system always have but you're a ballet dancer though right mm-hmm. which is intense yeah ballet is intense so how does that how does that figure in the sort of like hey you know we'll just have fun and then like that is a very strict lifestyle, right? Oh yeah. Well, no, I've always worked hard. I've always worked hard. I always learn. Always. Um, and yeah. Well, I was not only a ballet dancer; I was a modern dancer too. So that's like a you know that's a kind of a fringe kind of thing. So I was into like all different styles of dance and theater. And and Minneapolis is a very uh, interesting place it's got a lot of arts and I, you know so i was always into that and i was always into working hard and uh, you know that always pays off yeah just always pays off you just got to start at the bottom and work hard and you'll you'll make it minneapolis is a phenomenal town and i i it's a great i know i mean i do stand up there once a year and it's it's just a good comedy town but it's just a yeah. good theater town it is i assume it's just too cold to do anything else yeah. and so people are forced to go inside and enjoy things that aren't out out of doors. Yeah, I know. It is a really good theater town. It's a really good art town. And it, it was a really good place to grow up, uh, you know, except for waiting for the bus. <laughs> 40 below. <laughs> I still have the broken blood vessels right here from oh, that. No, yeah, it was the last time when we were there, it was, what was it like, negative? It was hugely freezing. It was like negative 30. And they were still having the nighttime Christmas parade. I'm like, what are you guys oh, doing? It's so Well, they got to live. I know. You still got to live. I know. Just maybe do it during the day. It was a Saturday. <laughs> It'd be a little, little bit warmer. It'd be like negative 18 instead of negative 40. I know. You got to admire the folks yeah. in Minnesota. They're pretty cool. They Did you ever it. live there again? Did you, did you ever want to go back there? And- yeah. I, I 
mean, I, I no, I've done a few. I, I haven't done enough movies there, but I did one movie there and one commercial, and I go back and visit every once in a while. Yeah, but I don't have that family yeah. in there. As your uh, uh, of the three Back to the Future movies, do you have a favorite? Back to the Future one. Yeah, but I love Back to the Future two. I forgot that 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 was like crazy. Thank you. I love it too. Chris does not. Really? I, I just felt I I like it. I, I just felt like mm, your it, tone I didn't, is changing. Huh? Your tone is changing. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was I I I I felt like it was really had to be really expositional to explain all the stuff that happened in part one. And I also I didn't like I didn't like a world where you ended up with Biff. I just didn't like a world where you ended up with Biff. You weren't it supposed was so to. Dark. I know, but it but it super bummed me out. It was super dark. It super bummed me out. I mean, <laughs> George is dead. <laughs> dead. Marty's mom has these big fake boobs. She's married to the worst person in in the on, in the world at this point. I mean, it's like what just teenage guy was wasn't right didn't see his own mom in that and just go. No, no, what happened? That's one of my favorite characters. The 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 rain with the big boobs. And yeah, the drunk boozy and the Lorraine. Way. I keep that on my reel because no one will give me that part. I'm like, I did that part thirty years, twenty five years ago. I can do it now. I even are, there's usually a third guy on the podcast, and he's had he had to, he's had to do a press tour for the show that he's on. But he he asked if we had done the podcast, and I said we're about to do it now. And so he he texted me, "Say hi to your mom for me." And then I wrote back in all caps, "You made her get those those things." <laughs> so that's it's, the greatest line. <laughs> I love that character, but no one will let me play her. Maybe there's just the you know I kind of feel like. I think if we're expanding the universe, somewhere at Biff's Casino, Lorraine has one room where she does this really sad one-woman show of Carpenter's covers or whatever, where she's just drunk and spilling out of that dress. I mean, like, there's a side thing going on there somewhere. Right. Don't you think she would have to have had something like that to drown out? On top of the world, (laughs) down on creation. It's Biff's wife, yeah. She's yeah, she's not conscious most of the time. Like, she's just, it's just like to the side. She's of in me. a blackout. I can tell. <laughs> shut up! This is hard work. I'm just like yelling and you're throwing bottles at people. See, you said you didn't like it, but you got yeah. a whole now thing. No, I didn't say I didn't like it. Matt said I didn't like it. Well, that's because you said you didn't like it last week. I said I didn't say I didn't like it. I just said interesting. Matt. I just said of the three, yeah, it's the one that had the most. Exposition to backtrack, and I was into it. I loved it. I said it was my. I, I just said story wise, it was my least favorite of the three. I didn't say I didn't like it. I, I sound. I, I sound the, like I'm backpedaling. I now. think Zemeckis says it's the darkest movie he's ever made. He's it's, not wrong. Uh huh. Every second of that movie is just dark. like cranking the stakes of darkness, especially when he. Although the only thing is that. What about Michael ridiculous. Fox in drag? That. Oh, horrifying! You, I recently wore that wig that he wore. <laughs> I saved that wig. That's amazing. His head's bigger. You than know what? Me. He wasn't. He wasn't a bad-looking lady. No. Yeah. No. Good bone structure on that Canadian boy. But then in. Uh, but then in three, then you guys get to be Irish immigrants, which is really fun. <laughs> yeah. No, that was really fun. There's a there's the worst technical error in that in the whole thing is in that movie. Which what's is what? When I pass this baby, when they pass this baby from one Michael Fox to another, there's like this big line. Oh. Like, and, they, and they tried so hard. They spent so much time trying to figure out how to do that. And nowadays it would be like you do it on your iPhone. Oh, yeah, exactly. Nowadays they'd be like, "Well, we don't need Crispin. We'll just make him in a computer." 
<laughs> we'll just put people in a computer. No, it's so it's really see what we did with Arnold. It's so scary. But at least Arnold had to be there. At yeah. least Arnold did have to be there. They didn't just they didn't just make him out of thin air. What like, was it? Well, like interviewing Crispin. Can I interview him? Yeah, yeah, of course you can. He was uh, he was great. He was very um, very talkative. Like he had a lot of. He, we just the way that these work is that I don't really plan what I'm going to talk about with people. I just sort of let them dictate where it's going to go, mm-hmm. where, where their energy is, what it seems like they want to talk about, and so we just kind of let him go. And uh, he just he just he had a, a ton of stories. He had talked a ton about Back to the Future. He talked a ton about you know living in Europe and making these films that he makes and the raising the money for it. And uh, he was uh, it, it was he was intense but not threatening, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but he was—he was really nice. Yeah, he's—he's I, I, he's a genius. He's yeah. a genius in Back to Future One. Um, I mean, his um, performance is absolutely. But everyone's stellar. amazing in it. I mean, it's like it's. I think one of the one of my favorite things about the movie is not just that it's an entertaining movie, but I love watching a project where everyone is firing on all cylinders. The music is great, and the cinematography is mm. great. The directing, the acting, and the writing, and the, it's just like everything. Everything just it's just it's a magic. supernova mm-hmm. all together. But everyone all at once, and I think um, Tom Wilson's first podcast with us was incredible because I didn't really know Tom before. And he was—he's such a wonderful, sensitive guy, and he yeah. had such a—he had such an incredible point of view, which I never—I mean—and and it, and it taught me. I mean, I still fall victim to—you see people on a screen, you see them playing characters, and you go, "I guess that's who that person is." Mm-hmm. But then when you sit down and talk, you go, "Oh no, no, he's an actor. There's like he's not that guy. He's a sweet, kind of nerdy, sensitive artist guy. You know, it's not—it's not who he is." Or for you, maybe saying like, "Oh, you know, trying to feel—you uh, always kind of felt." out of place or whatever. I mean, like mm. that's, I would never have thought that about you. I always felt like, oh yeah, she's, she, she's in control. She knows what's going on. <laughs> well, maybe now cause yeah. I'm so damn old, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah they they were really, it, it's a, it's interesting cause having made so many projects that sometimes just that all comes together at the same time. Yeah. And then, then the other thing is that the audience feels that too sometimes that doesn't happen i mean i've been in movies where i did a movie called the trouble with the truth which is this little movie that i made um just with two people john shay and i and i had the same experience like that movie everything was perfect and it's just such a beautiful movie for me but nobody sees (laughs) hardly anybody's seen it but when they do they really like it but it's 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 nice when it all comes together and people really get to see it so which is unusual well it's hard now especially because there's just so much stuff yeah. There's so much stuff at all times. I know. It's overwhelming. I mean, having anything... Yeah, it's to... so hard for Steven Spielberg to produce a summer hit nowadays. I know. <laughs> we feel bad for him. I feel... <laughs> but it is hard. Because, like, I, I'm doing this show, Switch to Birth. We're in our fourth season. ABC Family, right? ABC Family. And it's... that The other thing is kind of interesting is that, you know, they take us on. We go on for 10. We go off. We're alone. We're here. We're way out in yeah. the hinterlands of cable. And still people find us like yeah. how do they do that that's also an amazing thing like they still find us and we still there's still so many fans and it's just a, it's a, such a different landscape now you know that people you know can find you somewhere and that doesn't have to be that many people for you to stay on the air yeah because even when you did caroline you were still that was in the sort of the last throes of the old right. way that media was done right it was like you know, networks ruled and it was all, you know, 
cable was still like, meh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you could still draw a big audience. You know, you could still get 20 million people. I know. We got canceled with a 13 share. (laughs) (laughs) You'd get picked up forever now. (laughs) That's massive. We were canceled. I'm so sorry. No. We only have a 13 share. Yeah. That was the end of all that insanity. Crazy. Yeah. I know it's a different landscape, but you know I know more people are working, which is great. Yeah, did you like the sitcom schedule? It's pretty sweet. It seems like that, but all I remember is complete and utter terror. Really? Yeah, it's just so hard the when you live performing that was fun. Well, or? when you're carrying it and it's the opening of a movie and, and a play the same yeah, yeah. week, yeah. and you're learning it so fast, and I had two little little children at the time and i just felt like there was was a lot of pressure yeah and it's it's hard to be i mean i'm not a raised comedian that way you know and it's it's you know when you don't hit those laughs when there's that much pressure on you the writers are all like (gasps) you know what i mean like each joke has to be hit and it's i I just that could be their fault too yeah you should what you should do is throw the script in their face and go i can't make a cake out of shit and then just throw it in their face they were looking for that they (laughs) because it was the days of sybil and (laughs) (laughs) oh no no they were like they wouldn't give me anything because they were afraid i would turn into a nightmare really and i was like dudes i've been in the business already for 15 years i'm not gonna all of a sudden turn into a nightmare how did you not turn into a nightmare because because a lot of times when people, when they're young and they start working on big stuff right out of the gate, mm-hmm. you know, like they can get a little difficult, you know. So how did you, how were you able to keep it from being like an ego thing and, and just make it a work thing? I just can never imagine, I mean, you know, I, this is what I strive for, but I, the iconoclast is kind of like... Um, like no person is better than anyone else. Like I, I can't imagine. I, 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 I don't like to think of people being better. I like to be part of a team, mm-hmm. and I don't would never want to think that I'm so much better than someone who's doing a lesser job. You know, whatever quote unquote lesser job. So I've always that's how I find my happy place is like being part of a group and being part of a team. Mm-hmm. And I love that about my job. And so. To become an asshole would be against that. You know what I mean? That you have to you have to think you're better than other people, and I just I, I don't want to come from that place. It and makes me very unhappy. I think, well, I think one of the reasons, if I may be so bold, is, is saying like why there are so many dudes who are completely in love with you and oh. have been since we were younger is that. I mean, not only I mean, let's just take aside the fact that you know, I mean, just s- stunning beautiful but there's such a sincere sweetness and maybe for nerdy guys it almost makes you it almost made you seem attainable like but she's sweet there's she's sweet like it bleeds through she's you know you're not in like you never in any of the movies even in some kind of wonderful where you were kind of supposed to be sort of a bitchy popular girl right and but then you you kind of instantly are human, you know, and you're like, oh, I don't, you know, I'm trying to fit in too, you know. I think that I think that was an essential quality that I think makes you so relatable as a performer is that there's a real 
there's a real humanity. It's not just like, oh, you know, I'm just uh, they cast a really pretty girl and stuff, and she's supposed to be a really pretty girl. Like there was a real depth of of humanity oh, to all of your roles. Well, that's a great compliment. Thank it's you. It's true. It's totally true. I mean, you might. Okay. I mean, I'm sure wherever you go, people are just like, bah, just fawning all over you. Does that? No, but you know, sometimes and that whatever. It's nice. It's nice if you can make. Uh, I think sometimes when people think that you know stars are better or whatever like that and if you can be like i'm not we're the same we're just doing the same thing and we're trying to get to the day gracefully and with dignity and you know put one foot in front of the other i think it makes sometimes i i feel good that that makes people feel better because that that whole garbage that's from people magazine and all that stuff the whole celebrity culture it's garbage you know and it ends up making people feel bad about themselves even people that are famous and beautiful you know they look at that and they're like oh look they're so happy you know oh look everybody's just it's a party going on without me you know and i think that all kind of makes us feel bad and it's just not true yeah it's crap was there was were the tabloids that rampant in the 80s not like they I mean this, this whole social media thing is crazy but and it has its good parts yeah. but and, and I think it has its good parts and its bad parts but um yeah I mean there's always been that thing where they want to create this distance between people and make you feel not cool you know and there's all these other cool people having a great time you know and as you as you live through this world you realize that most of the people who are making the most money and are the most famous are the most unhappy. Right. You know, and you really, that is the truth. Why do you think that is? Because it's so much pressure and it's so much like, you know, um, you know, so many people on your payroll and telling you what you, what you are and who you are and what you should do and making fun of you. And like, it's just too hard to keep your, to keep grounded and to just, you know. Like, it's just fun to go out and sit outside in your underwear and, like, look at, (laughs) you know, walk your dog. Like, if you can't do that, it's a drag. Right. I I don't care if you're on a yacht in, you know, whatever. I mean, of course, there's some good things. It's nice not to worry about money, but you're still worrying (laughs) about money. I have a lot of friends, don't I, Johnson? (laughs) Yes, sir. You're very popular. But you know what I mean. Also, my name is Johnson, please. I know. No, 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 of course. Of of course. It's, it's, well, you know, I I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that, um, you know, people that, that we're conditioned to think that it, the, the accumulation of things or somehow gives us more significance or whatever. But mm-hmm. it, but it's basically that you know, fame, money, whatever it is. There's um, and, and particular and attra- particularly attractive to performers. There's a some hole. There's a hole that everyone's trying mm-hmm. to fill, and mm-hmm. so they try to fill it with that, and they try to fill it more and more and more and more and more. And then I think when they realize that that doesn't fix them, then there's a crashing yeah. depression that occurs. It's like, this thing that I thought would fix me, that I worked so hard for, I realized didn't fix me, so who am I? You know, I think that's a real existential crisis. It is, and I, you know, as I get older, I realize that it's, it's all about every single day, and that's the, where the kindness comes in, and not thinking you're better than everybody. Every single day, every single time you're, like, decent to people, it, like, adds up to you feeling better. Every time you're kind of a little crappy to people, it kind of takes something away from mm. you. And that is the truth for every person, I believe. You know, every time you do something decent, and it takes a lot of those little things to make you feel good about yourself. You know what I mean? It takes a million of them, and you have to keep doing them. Yeah. And, and, you know, that sounds Pollyanna, but that's my life experience. And so that's why I try to try to be as nice. And, and not you don't always have to be nice to people, but you have to be decent and honest and you know as much as you can yeah <laughs> <laughs> of course you know yeah. there's those bad days and that uh, you know i certainly have them but you know i don't know 
that's my thing. And I think it makes you a better artist too. I mean, I've always, I've always been afraid of becoming like, you know, super rich and like insulating myself from the world because as an artist, how do you continue on the human journey to express that, you know, if you are not part of it, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're not like scrubbing the dirt or cleaning up dog poop or, you know what I mean? Just staying in grounded and with, in the real world. And, and that, and I've always wanted to be a really good artist and now I'm, um, you know, want to really work towards being a director more and I'm hopefully directing this movie that I think I'm really going to do it. My daughter wrote a movie called The Year of Spectacular Men that we've been working on for two years, my daughter Madeline, and she's immensely talented. And she wrote this movie about uh, five horrible boyfriends when she just got out of college, like five (laughs) horrible (laughs) boyfriends. And so, but the boyfriends are well represented. Sure. Yeah, they they have their side of the story as well because she's very smart, so she sees her part in it. And um, anyway, it's... uh, it's just a beautiful script, and I've been working on it, trying to get the money. And I think we finally got the money, so I think we're going to start shooting in September. So cross oh, your fingers. That's amazing. So then that'll be a real. That's a real filmmaker when you've developed the story, you've inspired the story, you've worked on it for years, and then you get to direct it. So how old is your daughter? She's twenty four. My other daughter, who's twenty, uh, who's an actress as well, is going to be in it along with her boyfriend Avin Jogia, who's uh, going to be King Tut. Oh, wow. This week, oh, this, yeah, yeah. The, so the, the, have you everywhere. seen the billboards yeah, for the King billboards. Tut? He's yeah. King Tut. That's awesome. So he'll be in it what as is well. A teenager King Rebel. Something yes. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so, him. The book. Uh, yeah, so it's going to be a great young cast, and um, I, uh, I, 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 I'm really excited about that because that's that's what I, you know, really is kind of the culmination of all the things that I've done: being a dancer, mm-hmm. being an actress, being a director. You know, working all that together. That's pretty rad, and I, and it also says something really great about your family that your kids are twenty and twenty four, and they're like, "Hey, let's work with our mom on something," and not like, just "Drop me off, <laughs> I'll just walk through, just drop me off a block away from the wall." You know what I mean? Like that they that you guys are all working together to to make something is is very special. Well, it's a kind of it's very fun. Well, when they go to set, she's gonna have to drop them off a block from the <laughs> yeah, studio. Yeah, I am. I'm gonna have to She'll drive I'm not your mom. <laughs> no, it's gonna be. It, it, no, I work with them a lot because they're both actresses. So I've been coaching them for uh, a number of years. So hopefully we've gotten out all that stuff. Like <laughs> I know that <laughs> there will be a little sick at home. No, yeah. okay, all right. Uh, yeah, there will be a little bit of that, but. I do know them as artists and it's really fun around my house because it's all artists and it's crazy. It, it's like, I've got an audition. Can you help me? Let's print out a headshot. <laughs> I got to learn a song. Oh no, I have to do my sign language. It's, it's just, it's funny and it's very creative. I mean, you know what I mean? That's, yeah, yeah. that's what it's cool. It's like you're living in the apartment from rent without the AIDS. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting way to describe yes. it. Well, that's the uh, only group of creative people I could think of was the people in rent. Yeah. <laughs> and then you had to tag on the I last don't. part. I'm not going to say that. I'm not <laughs> yeah, gonna, yeah, that may not. I might not make the next interview. Guys, that may not. All, it's like yes. rent without AIDS. They're yeah, it's like. Okay, so, okay, so we won't put that on the poster, but we'll just, you know. <laughs> I don't know. If someone came with a fucking thing No, Matt. it's like rent without no, AIDS, No, 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 they wouldn't. That's true. I would just hit it straight on. How would you not see that? I don't. <laughs> I'd be like, well, that's an interesting advertisement. You've got my money. I'm glad I'm the odd man out here. It's really fantastic. If it's anything like Back to the Future 2, I'm in. <laughs> 
Well, she was, Maddie was just directing, uh, 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 she's a musician as well. Mm-hmm. She has a band called Bleach, which is really cool. They have stuff on YouTube, Bleach, B-L-E-I-T-C-H. Um, anyway, she's got this cool band and she was just directing their video and I was just like the grip. It was so fun. <laughs> I wasn't doing anything but moving things around and <laughs> gripping. I didn't say one thing about the directing or anything and it, it turned out really cool. So that was, a, that was another kind of... wow. Um, weird thing happening at your house. Did everybody else in the band go say hi to your mom for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how did they? How do? How, so, as a parent, if you know, you seem wise. You seem to understand the world. You seem to have a good. You seem to be very grounded. How do you deal with your kids when you when you know that they're making? If you see them making decisions that you know are not great decisions, how do you not? interfere or can you or how do you do you do you just let them make their own mistakes and learn how how do you how do you keep that balance that's a really good question i'm still wrestling with that it's an everyday kind of thing because i i mean i really think that one of the interesting things about being a one of the most difficult things about being a parent is letting them go mm-hmm. like letting them go to make their own mistakes and learn their own things and it's really essential because uh, you know, at all ages, because, you know, that's how you create a, a, a person that can take care of themselves, you know, is by giving them a little bit of freedom when it's appropriate, of course. Right. But, um, uh, yeah, I have a hard time with that. But you know what? Having been in this business long, so long, I can't, I've made things that I thought were mistakes and then found, you know, you just have to have that feeling in life that, you know, mistakes end up being good in the end they teach you something or you don't you don't know why you're where you are or what what you're learning from it so you have to let go of it because it's really hard in your own career and then especially with theirs so i try to i try to just be as open as possible and try to just give advice only when i'm asked because <laughs> that's important that's hard too it's really hard especially when you're like okay just don't yeah one of the hard things is i don't really love horror movies yeah I, I've never did did them mm-hmm. intentionally. <laughs> Some of them just ended up that way for unusual reasons. But I don't I don't really like horror movies, and you know they're really I I don't like the ideas of my I don't like my when my kids get off you know are going to do a horror movie. I'm always like I love horror movies. I know people do people do. I'm just not one of them. Yeah, I know that's why I keep my mouth shut. I don't love them either. I really don't. Yeah. I don't like. I don't know. And my husband's doing a lot. He's doing. He did True Blood. He yep. did um, the Strain. Yeah, the Strain. The second season of Strain is about to come out. Yeah, he yeah. did some of those. He's right now. He's doing a new show for Cinemax uh, called The Outcast. Outcast. Oh yeah, that's Robert Kirkman's show. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the yeah the guy who did Walking who does Walking Dead. Dead. Yeah. Yeah. So my husband's the director producer of that you know so he's from some kind of wonderful and pretty in pink he's become this horror guy (laughs) he did he did american horror too oh yeah yeah oh Oh, yeah that's right he did some kind of wonderful Mm -hmm. so you met him was that the first time you met him yeah and then did you go well i'm gonna marry this guy or it just took a while to No, I yeah, just uh, kind of after we wrapped, it kind of happened. I knew he had a crush on me, but sure, I was well, kind of engaged to Dennis Quaid at the time. So right, but Dennis was in Germany. Yeah, Dennis <laughs> later, never earlier. Left Germany. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, it certainly worked. So we've been together a long, long time. That's amazing. Twenty six years. And it wow. and what is 
is there I, I guess you couldn't really distill this into one or two sentences but what do you think is a key to a to keep a marriage fresh and to keep a marriage like how do you in a business where that is uh, people do not stay together for 26 years you know like how how do you do it just don't get divorced <laughs> that's really my only <laughs> advice <laughs> just don't get divorced but i you know i i am surprised i'm as surprised as anyone that we're still married i mean honestly i think you just take it day by day and like uh, for me i i when the times were really bad i um I just thought, I think this will pass. Mm. And then I remember one time really, when it was a really bad time, and I was like, let's get divorced. And he was like, no, <laughs> no, no, I love you. We have too much good stuff. And we just like passed through it. You know what I mean? And I was like, and that was like a beautiful moment. It was very simple and a very big revelation to me. Yeah. Like he just sat there and fought for me in the most quiet and strong way. Just like. Well, I think there's a, I think people now are so accustomed to. Um, reacting to every emotion that they feel as though it's that's the way it's always going to be or that, yeah. it, or that they have to like, right. I got to satisfy this thing in this moment. Right, right. Because this is how, you know, without being patient and without, you know, and, and I think our society conditions people to do that because of like social media where you can right. become, where you get instant gratification. Like I'm feeling this emotion and people are like, yeah, 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 yeah. Or no, right. no, no, no. You right. know, but feeling like in any moment, oh, I feel this thing, so I should go do that thing. And, and, and I think there's something to, I think it's wise to not follow every um, impulse that you that you feel. Things change. People, you know, it's just like kids. Like when you first have a baby, you think they're going to just scream forever. Or, you know, you don't realize that they're going to change and the problems are going to change. And if you just like hold on, things will change. And, you know, I that's just a little bit of wisdom that – you know, of course, I love my husband, and that's he makes me laugh, and he's funny, and he's, um, you know, he always comes through in the end, like if something, you know what I mean? Mm. Like he always comes through with the the right thing to say in the end, and also, you know, it was I, my kids turned to me like last year when they when one of them was twenty three, and she said with like little tears in her eyes, she was like, "Thank you for staying." married thank you i know that it's not the easiest thing in the world but it was thank you and that was a beautiful thing you know at that age for her to say to me and i of course if it was miserable like i when my parents got divorced when my mom told me my she was going to divorce my dad when i was eight i was like oh thank god i was kind of the same way i was was 11 yeah i was like thank god you know i mean sometimes it's time well yeah especially because you know kids are so um they're they're just like a little emotional receivers like they know you yeah, know even, know even when pa- i think even when parents think they're hiding stuff like no. the kids know because they know everything kids i think biologically have to be very aware of their environment to survive, to survive. Right. and so they need to know and and uh yeah and so i, I it was the same thing for me i was like oh yeah my parents did not get along at all so right. i i don't yeah it was it, it was not yeah if it's not working out it's time to go for sure i mean i never got to that point but yeah I, I just it's just pure luck or you know genetic luck. but i think our parents generation also was a generation where they would uh i, I think the equivalent now is when you say to someone like Oh, so let's be boyfriend girlfriend, and I think our parents' generation, their version of so let's get married. Like it was not. I think my dad said, "Oh, you would, you know, you didn't really date. You just you met someone, and then if you liked them, you got married because it was 
kind of weird to you couldn't really live with people because that was right, sort of frowned right. upon by society, right. and so mm-hmm. you just sort of you just got married, and then you've <laughs> figured out whether or not you know. Well, you know, it's incomprehensible the idea that you're gonna like get along with someone for that long. Like, really, like it's it seems impossible. I I feel really lucky that I that I My still. My parents been married for forty five years. Wow! Oh, wow! Yeah. Wow. As, at a certain point, and I'm getting close to it. It's yeah. like, wow, why yeah. change? You know? I mean, I, got, I know his shoe size. I've memorized his phone number. <laughs> <laughs> that is a feat nowadays. It is a feat. Because everything's just on speed. I'm like, come like, on. Like, I know yeah. what I'm getting. Now I'm like, whatever. But Also, the idea of da- um, uh, uh, dating is, is really awful. And it's not... Um, it's not an enjoyable process, uh, and it's usually does not work out, and it's just a it's just a bummer. Like dating is just is just really a bummer. Like people who are serial daters who just like you know out with a different person every night, or they're trying to figure. Like I don't underst- I don't understand that at all. That is very foreign to me. Yeah, I think I'm too sensitive for that. <laughs> I don't know. That's a yeah. Well, I I know my kid. You know my daughters are. Are young, so they they have to kind of deal with all that, and I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that's not me. Well, especially now because there's so much. I mean, I, because I remember when there wasn't social media, texting, and other stuff. So you just literally just had to call people and talk to them. And now you, you know, uh, when I was dating, I would call someone and then they would text back. I'm like, oh, that's weird. I, does that mean do, they don't? No, it just means that that's not how people communicate anymore. <laughs> it's so weird when my it kids is. say, I talk to that person, and I'm like, and then I find out they were just texting. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, that's yeah. not talking to someone, honey. That's te- <laughs> <laughs> it is a different world. It it's a vexing. Still, it's and like, it's I also like- so vexing how, how much you can find out about a person, how, how you can cyberstalk someone and find so many things oh, out yeah. about them Ooh. if you're good at it. Yeah. I mean, you just didn't through their. Through their you know, Twitter and their, you can see so much and you can tell so much. Yeah. Like, I think I'm the last, like, generation of person that would still talk on the phone, like, to the point, because I'm 30, what, 30, 31, I'll be 32 this year. And we got cell phones. I, I got a cell phone my junior year in high school. And uh, so before that, we were still just everyone would pick up the phone and call your friend. You call your friend's house, go, "Hey, is Jimmy there?" And then you hang on, Jimmy. You know, you'd have to sit through that. <laughs> I'm in the bathroom, <laughs> man. <laughs> uh, and then I've I've noticed, like, you know, it's all my. A lot of my friends are older. You know, they're in their forties. Most of my friends, which is bizarre, but we're all people that will pick up the phone and call. We'll text, sure. But a lot of times we're just going to pick up the phone, and it's I, funny, I find like, texting to be a convenient when you can't talk. But yeah, I, but yeah. I, I wouldn't replace it yeah. for you know being able to talk to someone I that my, I wanted to talk uh, to. Twenty-year-old cousin staying with me last week, and the way she fucking communicates, with everyone is Snapchat. Oh, Oy. what? Like that's how these kids communicate, and like she's showing me all the these Snapchat messages. I'm like. Oh, so you really are just like saying how you doing on a Snapchat? And it's like, yeah, that's how we talk. And like when she would text me, it would be a shit ton more emoticons than I was ever prepared to deal with. <laughs> I was like, what is this? What is this cat? What does this cat mean? <laughs> it's just, it's strange. But that's what 20 year olds are doing right now is Snapchat. Yeah. I'm not doing so that. So weird. 
I can't learn another thing. No, don't. Are you not on social media at all? Oh, no, no, no. I have to. I, no, I enjoy it. I enjoy my uh, Instagram, Leah K. Thompson, and my, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I enjoy tweeting. And I, I mean, we have to. Uh, on course. ABC Family, we have to live, which is really annoying. When you direct a show and you have to live tweet during it, you're like, watch the show. I don't want <laughs> you to be tweeting while you're doing this but yeah i mean that and then i did dancing with the stars and that was really uh, important i lost a big challenge because i didn't have enough twitter followers you know so it's a whole thing so irritating yeah 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 so i but as a dancer but i do enjoy i i do enjoy actually sometimes i can talk to people i haven't seen in a long time like famous people i haven't seen i can do that on twitter sometimes and um i can I enjoy I enjoy interacting with fans because when I first started, we weren't supposed to. We, you know, it was a different world. You weren't supposed to stay as far away as you could from fans, and which always felt uncomfortable to me because of my thing. Like right. I'm not better than you, you know. Right. I'm not any better than you, and so um, I do enjoy it. So I spend a little time on my Twitter, yeah, anyway. yeah. I my Instagram and, and my Facebook and all that stuff, but it takes a lot of time. It really does. What's your favorite thing that you've ever worked on? Do you have a favorite thing? Ever? Yeah. I think... Season three, episode one, Caroline in the City. Yeah. No, no, no. I did... I did... Um, they just... I did uh, Sally Bowles in Cabaret on Broadway. Yeah? Um, this incredible production with uh, that Rob Marshall and Sam Mendez did. Oh, I did wow. it like maybe 15 years ago. 15, 20 years, 15, 18 years ago. And that was, I did that for eight months and that was really amazing. It was an, uh, it was a great part and it was just hit my singing perfectly and I'm not really a singer and I'd never done a musical before. So that's a pretty great way to start on a great musical with uh, Michael Hall was my MC. Oh, wow. And um, he, he left to go do Six Feet Under from that. So that, I really fell in with a bad crowd and it was great midlife crisis. To have. <laughs> got a tattoo, got a belly button pierced, jumped out of planes, sang with, you know, a cigarette in my mouth. And What was your tattoo? What did you, what did you get a tattoo I got of? a moon and stars right here. Nice. Yeah. Not quite a tramp stamp. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of stopped. <laughs> but it was, it was just like a, uh, an incredible production and an incredible, just incredible. Yeah. Eight months, eight shows a year. Uh, a week. It was really Sand hard. Is, wow. As it was happening, did you recognize it as like, okay, I need to, are you good at enjoying stuff as it's happening or do you enjoy it? retroactively I mean are you focused on the work while it's happening afterwards go oh yeah that was really great or can you enjoy it while it's happening usually that happens but as my life dwindles out you know I'm starting to enjoy things a little bit more as they're happening Um, I definitely because that was such a long experience so many times to sing maybe this time you know I don't even know how many times I sang all the songs Um, I definitely got into enjoying it just enjoying and that's one thing that's great about being on stage you do stand up is like that feeling of you know you know the circle of energy going from the audience back to you and back to you and um you know being starting on the stage uh it it was just really profound and i don't get enough opportunities to do that honestly but sometimes i i I sing a lot for charities and and that's always terrifying but (laughs) because it's one song one time yeah (laughs) you know with a band you don't know so you know you're always just trying to remember the lyrics but this experience was was really yeah, I did enjoy it. Do you do you are you is directing? Are you going to pursue directing more full time now? I mean, is like is this? Have, have you made a conscious decision like no? If I get offered anything acting wise, I'd rather just direct. Or do you still want to? 
you know, this time, day and age, we all have to, we all have to diversify. You're probably all doing four jobs at the same time to make, you know, to, to hope that things, whichever works. So, um, I really love directing and I love one of the things I love, like I, when I direct switched at birth, my TV show on ABC family, <laughs> um, I really love it because it keeps you from getting bitter. Like it's like I could look at the two stars of the show and they're young and they're 20 and like I'm playing the fourth banana mom, you know, whatever. And I could get really bitter. But when you direct, you can't get bitter. You like, you got skin in the game. You're, you get to really appreciate other actors in a way that you can't as another actor. Like I, and when I'm done with a take, I can be like, Oh my God, I love you. You're so great. <laughs> but I can't do that as an actor. It's weird. Right. But I love that it's, I can use everything I have and also kind of give back in a way, like give what I've learned in a non-annoying way. Yeah. You know, if I go up to a young actor and I go, you know, when I did Back to the Future, I used to use this technique. They'd be like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) If you're a director, you can give back in a way, uh, you know, and and it's, I don't know, I just feel like I spent so many hours behind the camera now. I mean, I've, you know, people go like, oh, you get Gave up your acting career to raise your kids? No, look at my MDB. Yeah. I have been working nonstop. It's just not a giant. Who things. says that? People say that all the time. Who says that? All the time. And um, fuck those people. Don't you have IMDb? Yes, seriously. <laughs> so, but I've been. You working... weren't in Crossroads. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Ralph Macchio was in Crossroads. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I remember it. Um. Yeah. God, you're smart. We all do. Steve Vai, come on. Steve Vai, yeah. They got, he's got to, you know, Fucking he's got to, he's got to play right the devil. It was like, it was basically Karate Kid with a guitar, where it was uh, a guy basically comes up against a foe that he never should have beaten. Yeah, but it was skill. the skills he had ignored at the beginning of the movie that got him through the end of the movie. No, I know. I'm, classical. Play. The other movie I made up was The River. Do you remember mm. The River? Oh, that was. Um, uh, or a Mystic River? No, 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 no. Was the was the river? No, no, it no. Was, that... It was really a long time ago. It was like 1983, I think, or something like that. I don't think I remember the river. Yeah, I don't. Was either. that was the river? Was it one of those movies where it's like uh, family camping trip goes awry? Kind of a movie. I don't even know, but that was. I thought you might know since you're a genius. Yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah, one. those are the two. We were movies. busy watching Crossroads. <laughs> 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 just wanted a retelling of the Robert Johnson blues start. <laughs> is it uh, uh, when you when you think of directing? Like, what do you think the most important job you have as a director? What what do you, when you think about when you envision directing? What is it that you see as your main responsibility? About telling a story. Mm-hmm. I, I feel the same way as an actor. I mean, it's all about being part of a story and telling it as clearly and with as good of a point of view as possible so the audience understands what story you're trying to tell. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, like that's what I was saying about Bob Zemeckis. He tells a story with the camera like so beautifully. And I feel that way as an actor, you know, and a lot of actors don't get that. When I'm coaching people, I'm like, you're telling a story. How do you tell a story in the best way possible, the most interesting way possible? It's not just me, me, me. Do I look pretty? You know what I mean? How do I say that line? It's how do I – and it takes – the onus off of it when you're acting to just feel like you're part of the story. It's the same thing when you're singing. It's not like, how do I sound? Am I perfect? Do I think is everybody gonna love me? It's no. I'm trying to tell a story. I'm trying to I'm trying to give somebody something. I'm trying to uh trying to honor the music 
in the best way possible. And then it takes the pressure off of you. Right. You know what I mean? So you don't have to be perfect. You're just trying to, uh, you know, tell the story. Who just, as we're wrapping this up, uh, who was Lorraine to you? Who was Lorraine Baines McFly to you? Like what type of a person do you think she was? Just because I feel like we saw a lot of iterations of her. Yeah. And they were all, it was all um, nurture versus nature. You know, like she was a product of several different environments. But who who do you think she was? Well, when you say that, I think of the young Lorraine for some reason because I think she's like the basis, like the right. the f- original stock, right? You know, because she never changed, right? She was always the same. Um, I I you know I did a ton of research, um, and I was just trying to play that person from the fifties that was completely confused, you know, the kind of really repressed sexuality <laughs> of those women because it was really a difficult time when you came out of the forties and they were like, you know. In the 40s, they were like, go work, work. And then they were trying to get you back in the house with get a blender and wear a pretty dress. And right. Give the guys their jobs back. And so I think it made women a little crazy at that point, you know, like, and bye, bye, bye. So um, I think that's that's who she was. She was just someone who was confused and couldn't couldn't quite you know she was definitely had uh, she was definitely horny <laughs> <laughs> and there was some there was some repression there yeah but I, I i would sing mr sandman before every take to try to get into that character because i was not her guess what i was not lorraine <laughs> what <laughs> what i was somebody else um so i would sing mr sandman to get in that kind of crazy like you know over hormoned kind of over uh, propagandaized mm-hmm. kind of thing that she was into, you know. So that's how I I found the character. But that's that was how I had to surface the story, you know. She had to go through this interesting journey where she was like super attracted to guy, and one moment when she kissed him, she realized she didn't like him. Yeah, which does happen to people actually. I think more than you know, but except it usually doesn't turn out that it's their son. No. Yeah. Well, that's it. No. Also, maybe don't hire the guy who tries to assault you in high school to be your mechanic. Is it, <laughs> maybe that guy should be in jail. Maybe. No, he really was a racist. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> Let him wax the BMW. No. <laughs> he really. I mean, it's so, it's so. Oh, that Biff! What a character! That time he tried to assault your mom in a car. It's a long story. Also, I like that in that in the in the second timeline in the 1985 that Marty returns to. For some reason, Biff doesn't work at that job that he was working at before with George. So whatever happened in Biff's life after Calvin Klein came through caused him to just be a guy that works on cars instead of being a guy that worked at that office. Yeah, I don't know. There are whole blogs about this that we could get into. And Crispin Glover was really upset about that scene. He did not like that scene. So the way we prepared for that scene was Mm -hmm. I went to his all black lacquer apartment and we painted a picture of a volcano. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> together i guess i mean yeah it helped us come up with those characters i have no idea so now meant. which scene is that the scene are you talking about the scene the scene when we come back at the end at the end where everyone's happy and he, and he taps my butt yeah. and he's well the volcano is on the cover of the book right isn't isn't there isn't that doesn't the cover of the book oh no no no, no, no. i'm thinking of that no. yeah <laughs> oh god <laughs> Why would George McFly start Dianetics? <laughs> Maybe he did. You never know. Oh, he was a science fiction writer. Oh, oh you guys, we cracked it. We totally cracked it. That's no, you're right. It's the two couples kneeling in front, and it's got the yeah, Darth and Vader it's got the, from yeah. the planet Vulcan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. What the fuck was I thinking? Uh, yeah, it, there's a cut scene that someone j- that I just saw online of in the second movie. 
Because after Biff comes back, after changing the past, he shouldn't yeah. have returned. Right, he disappears, that, yeah. That old, that there's a cutscene where he disappears, but he took it out of the movie. Yeah. Wow. You know, I didn't know about. that. Yeah. You're a nerd. Shut up! <laughs> uh, whatever. That's, that's exactly what I thought you would say to me. That, all the times, like my whole young life, and I'm like, I'm going to meet Leah Thompson, and she's going to go, you're a nerd. Like, yes, it's true. What nerd is hip? It's yeah. nerd chic, isn't well, it? Well, now it is, but it wasn't. Isn't it? I know. I love that nerd It wasn't really chic. in those days. I know. It was a little bit of a... It was a little bit of a of a, a prison collar for a, for a yeah, while. Yeah, but we, got, uh, we got inspired to write our science fiction novels, and yeah, we, we got inspired by that movie. Yeah, that inspired George the, the McFly's inspired a generation of of nerdy young creative people. I know, isn't that great? I had a lot of those movies. I I've had a lot of people come up to me and say they became nuclear physicists because of Space Camp. Oh, <gasps> and really, honestly, did you did you? Did you have to do the vomit comet thing? No. Oh, you never you didn't no, have to do that. We completely faked all we that. Didn't have no budget. <laughs> it's not Apollo thirteen over there. Oh no. <laughs> they didn't figure not... out how to shoot that movie, so the first day we were ten days behind. Oh, oh shit! Wow. They were like, "We're gonna be weightless." No one bothered to figure out how. <laughs> oh, we'll just bet. Oh shit, that's uh, hard. Yeah, because yeah, we have gravity. Like, Wait a second. <laughs> so we basically just pantomimed the whole thing. Oh, really? Always burn at seven o'clock. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's someone at the oh, studio no. was like, no, oh, "We'll just get one of those anti-gravity of rooms." Yeah, you know, no that one doesn't knew. exist. No one knew. <laughs> no, we'll put them in a blue screen, but oh wait, they're in blue costumes. <laughs> <laughs> just invented green screen. That really happened. I'm not telling. I'm, you know, it put a studio out of business. ABC Circle Films. So, all right. So before we let you go, do you? Is there any? Now that I feel like we have you, this is such a unique opportunity. Could you have any weird story from anything that you've worked on that you've never told before that you think people want to hear? If you don't, that's fine. I have so many, but they're so politically incorrect. <laughs> I have so many stories. Okay. And I'm just, I don't even, I can't, I can only tell them at dinner parties. Okay. Because I might get in really bad trouble. Okay. There's nope. really a lot of them. Sorry. Yeah, no, hey, that's fine. Do you but know what this means? That what, means that, that means you're going to get... Are we going to done? You're going to... What? That we're done? No, well, it means that you're going to get invited over for a dinner party. There you go. And then we can just talk about it. Oh, my God, I have so many good stuff. I'm not hitting on you. I have a girlfriend, but... No, it's really you... sad. It's really sad because, like, if I, whenever I do, like, a talk show, they're like, tell us a funny story. And I'm like, I can't tell that one. I can't tell that one. I can't tell that one. <laughs> That's okay. We you you can you know we'll we'll uh, you can come over for dinner sometime and yes. then tell all the stories that the rest of the world does not have to hear. And then you'll get on on here and you'll say, "Can you believe what Leah Thompson said? Can you believe what Leah Thompson said? And then she shot this guy, and then she kicked a baby. Like it was crazy. Her stories are fucking crazy. She's the Night Stalker, guys. <laughs> She's the fucking Night Stalker. That's what she didn't want to tell us." She's a serial killer the whole time they never saw because they never would have expected her. She's the last person in the world. Why would she think that was okay to tell at a dinner party? <laughs> There's no statute of limitation of murder. She drew on a map where the bodies were buried. <laughs> She's crazy. It was crazy. Anyway, 
Um, She's not going to get convicted. I'm so busted. No, yeah, there's no evidence. So busted. I'm always telling people to <laughs> be in been those horror movies. An absolute joy to have you here. Thank, thank you, you so thank much. You so much. We are honored to have you here. And uh, switch to birth. People can watch. Mm-hmm. And um, by the time this comes out, I think the, the Hollywood Bowl, Back to the Future, will have probably will, been done. Yeah, because it's tomorrow night. Yeah, switch um, to birth comes on soon in August, August 16th. I but guess. it is the crazy 30th anniversary of. Um, yeah. Back to the Future, which even at that time, I was hearing like 2015 is so far away. I heard a rumor, like and I don't rumor. know if it's true, but I forget. I forget where I heard it. I was talking to somebody that might have worked at Universal or something, but they were talking about doing a big anniversary screening on October 26th, which is the date that Marty goes back in time, right? At the back lot, and they oh. were going to redress the back lot to look like Hill Valley. That might be true. I, I, I think they've booked me for something like that. I can. I don't I, know what it was, but they've booked me. Whatever for something. I need to do, you need me to bury some bodies for you. I have oh. to go to that. Okay. <laughs> I have to go to. Well, that. You have my email. All right, we're gonna do it. We're gonna <laughs> fucking do it. Yeah. Well, we, we might. If that happens, it's like that's gonna be the greatest thing ever. We'll find out. Because I was so excited walking around that back lot in the pitch black. <laughs> well, legendary works with Universal. Well, let's so I'll, I'll, figure I'll, it out. I'll make a call let's and find out, out, Matthew. And Maybe. if it's happening, yeah, we went to the back lot. We, actually, last year we went during Universal Horror Nights, and yeah. they, we, we had a private tour guide. And he took us. To, I Ma- asked, Matt I was, was like, like "Hey, I can think- we see who the Hill Valley set?" And he was like, "Sure." So we just broke away and went. And of course, most of it's you know it was like, "So here's where the show a Medium built a fucking facade in front of." That was the ghost. Oh, the ghost, ghost whisper. whisper. Yeah, the Ghost Whisperer like built facades over most of it, so it was like, well, this is a sort of hey. Still, it was great. It was yeah. great to be there. And it was, yeah. you know, since I was like eight years old, I was like, I gotta get over there and see that. When I found out that set was real, I was like, oh, it's a real backlot. And they did it that. three times. They re I know. they redid it three times. They made they put water in there once. <laughs> if Matt ever becomes a billionaire, he's going to build an estate that's the courthouse and the town complete. Yeah, Probably. and if I don't have enough money, I'll just build it from three. Well, it's <laughs> under construction, guys. That's <laughs> in an old west town. <laughs> Thank you so much Thank for you being so here, much. Leah Thompson. Thank you. And enjoy your burrito, everyone. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito.